Hi, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Brandon. And we are a couple of theater nerds who like to watch movies and talk about movies. So join us as we review the movies we have just watched. And we'll inevitably disagree on. This is the Drive Home Reviews Podcast, and we got it right. That's just not as much fun as when we mess it up. That's though. true, that is right. Uh, <laughs> Stop trying to woo me with your siren song. Uh, oh. Uh, oh, guys, now he's showing me his leg. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, uh, we are going to be talking about The Little Mermaid. Uh, but one of the things that this, one of the discussions this movie brought up is how actors and actresses or celebrities can use their influence to help people who don't have the same privilege that they do. Um, and the reason I, I bring this up is because we all know when the little mermaid trailer came out and they revealed that Ariel was going to be played by Halle Bailey, who is not white. Um, there was a meltdown by some of the mayonnaise colored of us uh, that, oh my gosh, you ruined my childhood. It's a black mermaid. Um, no, to, to be fair here, um, when I first heard the news, I got upset. That's because I thought they said it was Halle Berry. <laughs> and I was like, she's too old for that role. What are you talking about, Halle Berry? Play? And then... I Holly found out Bailey. it was, in fact, someone else. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, But one of the things that helped to smooth this over is the original Ariel, Jodie Benson, really throwing her weight behind supporting Halle Bailey, even being in the movie, showing up with her to events, like really making it vocally known that she not only accepted but supported uh, Halle Bailey in this role. Uh, and so that makes me kind of think about the way that people who have privilege or fame or position or platform can use that in a positive way for those who don't have it naturally. Okay. Um, one that comes to mind is Lizzo. I love Lizzo. Um, you're on the fence about Lizzo. I have no strong opinions about Lizzo. Right. It's, no, I, no opinion. I, that's not, I just... Mm -hmm. I don't know her well enough. I don't know her work well enough. I don't, I don't have a, I got no problems uh, with Lizzo. Well, last summer, uh, Lizzo released a song that had a slur against dis disabled people in it. Um, but it was, it's a word that's commonly used, um, but its roots are about disabled people. And, you know, she didn't know when releasing that, that it was a slur against disabled people. When the song came out, almost immediately the disability people, like the disability community, let her know, like, hey, this is what that means. And it's offensive to us. And so what she did was take that, that streaming, take that song off of streaming, go into the studio right away um, and record a new version without that word and put it back on the streaming platform, like within a weekend, like it was very short amount of time. And of course she has that ability because she is a well-known artist. 
Um, and she has the money and the connections to be able to do that. But it really did set the bar for someone saying like, Hey, this is offensive. And someone saying, you know, okay, I'm sorry. I'm now educating myself and I'm, I'm correcting my actions. Um, so that's, uh, really kind of one of the ones that stands out to me about somebody using their abilities and their capabilities and their platform to make a statement because now anyone who knows about that story knows that that is a slur and that is an ableist term that shouldn't be used. Mm -hmm. Were you I, able to come up with anything? Not, not off the top of my head. I know there have been, uh -huh. I know there have been a lot of people who have been trying to, I mean, there have been people for years who have, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm not coming up with any good examples like you are. Like well, what you, about Warwick Davis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his show, uh, Life's Too Short, you know, bringing up uh, life as a a short person and how he, as an agent, he represents um, actors of a certain height, like right. either under five foot or over six foot. Right. He, he represents and finds them work in movies. So like, and the reason he's able to do that is because he did have notoriety as a little person mm -hmm. in, in film. Yep. So, um, so we are both people who present as white people. Um, like you definitely, I am a white person. Right. I don't think I present that way. I think I am a white person. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> um, so one, you know, it's, it's a, a area where we realize that we have privilege because of that, you know, that is innate, um, and part of our responsibility as humans is to do what we can to help the people who don't have that same privilege. Um, and I, I think that there are actors and actresses and celebrities who do that, who really try to bring forth the, um, the message. Um, Jane Fonda was one that came to mind. Um, she's gotten arrested several times for protesting for different reasons. Uh, also, um, Oh, the guy with the electric cars. Tesla. No, no. Ed Beckley Jr. Oh, okay. <laughs> like part of his persona now is this idea of him being, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Environmental, mm. you know? Yeah. So like he and his daughter both took public transport to, uh, oh gosh, some award show. I want to say the Emmys or the Oscars or something like that. They took like, they took the bus to get there because, you know, they're trying to make a point about, you know, living their truth of environmental, um, what's the word? Environmental mm -hmm. conservation. So, yeah. But yeah. What about, um, in the wrestling world, <laughs> Do you think of any, any examples of using their platform for good? Um, it's, it's a very, it's, I, I, I definitely have to, uh, tip your hat to John Cena, who's set the world rec uh, the Guinness Book of World Records for most 
make a wish oh yeah uh most wishes granted it's like and by like three times as much as yeah. anyone ever like he's in the several hundreds yeah so he's pretty he's pretty high up there um you got to give it up for for tony khan and aew in the very progressive way they uh they market and it it, it doesn't to me feel like uh a publicity stunt but it's um it feels more like a hiring practice they're very open in their helping of uh, lgbtq uh community you know they but they have several openly gay wrestlers mm -hmm. yeah um i believe kenny omega identifies as queer right i i i can never tell if that's true or if that's a character okay but his character has always been uh bi right and he's one of the founding yeah yeah um then you, there's uh trans wrestlers they're not yeah yeah there's um naya rose right nyla rose i'm sorry and there's anthony bowen and sunny kiss who are both openly gay mm -hmm. wrestlers and they're treated exactly the same as everybody else. yeah they're not just they're not made heels because they're gay they're not right they're not queer coded yeah well sunny kiss is but i think that's by design right <laughs> that's sunny kiss's prerogative on to do that not someone well, Anthony Bowen is part of the acclaimed, the tag team, or I guess the trio, yeah. the acclaimed, um, is not, I mean, he, he wrestles with his straight wrestling partner and yeah. like their, their costumes are the same. It's not like he's out there wearing like drag queen makeup. Or yeah. He, you know, which previously in sports. That, that was the way it was done. Right. So, Yeah. Um, and I think that that is kind of a bold move for a sporting community. Mm -hmm. um, they sell their pride gear. Yep. Um, but which, of course, you know, yeah, they're they're merchandising. They're making money off of things. But like their support of their LGBTQ um, community uh, seems to be. A constant thing rather than just for the month during of June. pride month yeah. yeah so which you know having queer kids is something that we kind of look out for so uh yeah so i think there's a uh, a lot of people who are really trying yeah. to put their best foot forward out there you know what got, what got me thinking of a little off topic but you were mentioning it when you were talking about um the original ariel kind of giving her support to the new one um it's amazing how well that works mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of people have this idea that when a remake comes out or a reboot and the characters are different than the ones you remember that it is somehow attempting to erase your memories mm. you know right and i can understand where that comes from i mean like you look at the <clears throat> you look at the dc comics track record every time they reboot to reach a new generation they basically tell the old generation yeah thanks for watching our movies for 
you know, are watching or reading our comics for 20 years. Fuck you now. We're looking for someone else. So I get where that comes from, but I think something like what she's doing is the smart way of going about it. Say just because there is a new version of this aimed at a new generation or a new audience, it doesn't negate your version. Yes. Sorry. If you hear crinkling, it's because one of the cats has decided to get um, trapped in one of the plastic bags. Yes. You know, and I think that's an important thing. Obviously, when you have one of these, you get the obvious just white idiots who are just, and you get the trolls Mm -hmm. who are just complaining to get clicks. But I think a lot of people really fall into this trap of, because this isn't exactly the way I remember it, Mm -hmm. they're somehow saying the way I remembered it, it was wrong. Right. Or not good anymore they're gonna pull a george lucas and get rid of all the original mm-hmm. you know the, the old ariel hasn't gone anywhere that makes me think about the ghostbusters reboot yeah um and i'm not saying that the ghostbusters with melissa mccarthy and kate mckinnon was you know a piece of cinematic masterpiece it's but it never had a chance to get any better yeah like you know, the original Ghostbusters was good, but it wasn't a hit in its time. It didn't. It wasn't until you know later on and and sequels that it was really kind of a cult classic. No, it it, it, it was a pretty big hit in its mm. time. It was a pretty big hit, but it, it it kind of spread out, and this idea that it had continuing continuity caught on with the cartoon and subsequent. But the film itself was a fairly big hit back in the day what i'm saying is that they had a chance to develop yes and when you're not even given a chance to develop because so many people have just decided that they're not going to um watch you they're gonna bash you yeah um it's kind of sucks and you and you do wonder what would have happened had the fur had that the the reboot or whatever the the all-female ghostbusters if they had played it as a continuation right to the original with the kind of like afterlife became would it have been met with such as much vitriol right it it of course would be from all the he-man woman haters and all of that because those people are always going to be unreasonable but the majority, or not even the majority, but the other groups who just were mad that their franchise was being changed and would it have had that same, yeah, you know. Because I don't, I don't remember. I don't recall Dan Aykroyd or any of the original Ghostbusters really kind of coming to the defense of the Paul Feig movie. They were all in it. Right. They were they all did cameos in it and I think they were hoping that was enough of an endorsement that it would but it would carry through but it wasn't quite the same as Jody Benson full on doing a media blitz about how she supports Halle Bailey. Yeah, exactly. So, so. I don't know. It's just um I think, you know, it's like this concept of bullying and being a bystander and how if you are 
just being a bystander and you're not participating in the bullying, but you know what's happening and you're watching it anyways, then you're as guilty. Um, if you're a person who has the platform and the ability and the influence, you should be helping those people who need your help. So, yeah, I think that's uh, Jody Benson really kind of showed up for that. Yeah. With this. Mm -hmm. So Lizzo shows up for that constantly with the way that she has handled herself in the media and with her fame. Um, so yeah, let's, let's all be more like Jody and Lizzo. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to take a break and when we come back more of the siren song and we'll talk about this live action version of the little mermaid. clear that that is brandon and not rebecca the cats were not enjoying it no I, I woke one of them up she is not happy no she is not <laughs> so uh for anybody who has followed brandon on his youtube channel like gone back through drive home reviews uh you are are not a fan of the live action remake. i am not i am not a fan of the disney live action remake i i do not I'm I'm just not a fan at all. Uh, yes, just... that was one of the first points of contention between him and and our youngest was uh, him not liking the live action versions of Aladdin, Aladdin and she... Beauty and the Beast. No, I, th I honestly think the the Beauty and the Beast was the worst one of the lot. Although I do contend that that partly is because the original, the Beauty and the Beast animated version is your favorite but i can still version. i had they done something with it i probably still could have appreciated it as its own movie okay. but as i've said the problem i have with these live action disney films is that a they are either shot for shot remakes of the original okay wherein they add nothing more often they subtract and anything they try to put in feels shoehorned and incomplete with the rest of the movie. So there's no reason for that movie to exist. If you're just going to remake, you know, The Lion King, if you're gonna if you're gonna just remake the same movie shot for shot, just re-release the original film. It's already made. It can make you more money. Now I will you know? argue with that for The Lion King because the original film was made with predominantly white actors portraying African characters. And that was a good correction that they made. So that is, that's that's enough to remake the entire movie. And it is for me. That's if you're with reason. Disney and you have a bajillion dollars, then yes, remake it with care um, with actors of color to represent your characters of African descent. I I don't feel like that's a good enough reason to remake a movie. Okay. You know? um, and then, or you get ones like Beauty and the Beast or or Dumbo which are so busy trying to correct all of the uh, complaints that have been made about the original that your movie is just one long um, one long series of apologies that doesn't amount to anything. Hmm. You know, the only ones I could say I have, though I don't think they're good movies necessarily, I could kind of get behind are things like the, the villain ones they've done, Maleficent 
or Cruella, Cruella where they're actually doing something different with the characters. Hmm. Which I I said it when we did the Cruella review years back that that feels more like fan fiction. Yeah. You know, here's here's a story we can tell with the sets of characters that's something new and different and so I I can appreciate that but just these live action remakes they they just don't feel like they have a reason to exist hmm. most times and and even okay so you were talking about the uh the lion king and doing it with you know more a more diverse cast okay well they're going to do a sequel to it uh which was a prequel called mufasa okay which is mufasa's origin story okay great i can get behind that that's a new story and you can make some of the corrections there, getting a more diverse cast. But remaking the same thing, just with those changes, it doesn't feel like it justifies it enough to me. I don't know. Build off the story. Do something new with it. I liked Billy Eichner as Timon, so. <laughs> um, I, I have enjoyed the remakes for what they are, uh, which is having fun with with these pieces of work that have been around for a long time um gosh how jealous am i of emma watson for getting to play bell you know <laughs> like it's kind of just the the it's just for the enjoyment i don't know i i thought it was kind of fun i'm apprehensive about some i i love Questlove, but I'm not sure how the Aristocats remake is going to mm. go. I don't know how you do that. Um, but I think they're interesting. I think it's just Disney has now the capabilities of making, you know, it look like lions are talking and warthogs are dancing, so they're going to do it. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk specifically about The Little Mermaid. Okay. All right. So this falls, to me, this falls into the category of the first kind, um, like The Lion King. This is, this is more a shot-for-shot shot right. remake with a couple of things and tweaks added in for one reason or another. Um, so I don't think I need, we need to go into a plot outline here because if you <laughs> if you've seen the little mermaid you've seen the, the little, little mermaid, mermaid. <laughs> there's not a lot different that goes on here you know in terms of the general story it's all in the details i that think they... yeah and i think the casting is really a big part of it for this one um making king triton uh hispanic uh, and uh, casting javier bardem um giving the seven daughters different ethnicities and and diversity um and changing the location of prince eric and his kingdom to it looked to me like an island in the caribbean yeah it was definitely an island in the caribbean so instead of just being a typical european yeah. kingdom <laughs> it was there was a point at the beginning where prince eric is on a ship and he's talking about how he needs to explore. And I turned to Brandon to go, just let me colonize. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, he is 
the adoptive son yeah. of the Caribbean royalty on this little island um, and trying to make the island a better place for his subjects. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that they did was really kind of enhance that the mermaids are singing the siren song. I got that. That was a neat, that was a neat tweak. Yeah. Cause I'm not sure that that was ever kind of really. No, it, her singing was a big plot point in the first one, right. in the original. Cause that's how he knew her and or Ursula still stole her voice and all of that. Um, but it was kind of neat that it was, it was, the, it was a siren song. And it was like her mermaid gifts. Yeah. You know, so like when Ursula is taking um, and like making the deal with her, she's taking away all her mermaid gifts. So her ability to breathe underwater, her her voice and her fins. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, I'm so I, I guess when you look at it and I guess to justify its own existence, you have to ask, do the changes they make enhance the story or do they hinder it and i think this one's kind of 50 50 okay for me i think some of the choices they make and some of the things they did were were, were clever and well done and i liked them okay so I, let's talk about the things you didn't like you sure you want to do that first yeah i okay. want to end on a good note come on okay um i did not like king triton right um i he was again. This feels like they're trying to overcorrect because the King Triton in the first one was very loud and oh, yelling, and mm -hmm. um, this one was much more Ariel. Don't go do that. I don't think he you was know? as flat as that. I I think he was very flat. He was not an interesting or engaging character. He didn't have the personality, and you know the actor has a lot of personality. Yeah, I and do I, think they did kind of zap some of the Javier Bardemness out of him. Yeah, and it's like, so he he just, he came across very flat. And again, little choices they make. Like, we, we had a debate about this right after. Um, in this one, they make it a point of saying that the first time Ariel has ever gone to the surface was the night that the party was being held on the boat where she first saw Eric. With a, in this one, the first time she when she meets Scuttle... And she tells her what all the, the the trinkets are. Scuttle comes underwater to meet her because she's not allowed to go up to the surface. Right. And I think that's a change that goes that weakens the story, because in the first one it's established that Ariel keeps going to the surface and keeps endangering herself from Triton's point of view of being seen and endangering everything. So the fact that he finally blows up is something that's been building for a long time. Right. In here, it's more, she just has a fascination with the sunken ship. Well, no, she has a fascination with all things human, is the point that they keep trying to make. And in this iteration, humans killed her mother. So the idea is that she's obsessed with this race, this, this people that killed her mother. Um, and that's what's upsetting to King Triton. And then he finally gets to the point where, you know, he thinks she's coming around and she's falling in love with a with a merman. But then it turns out 
that she's like obsessed with a human and has this cave of human things, and that's why he blows but up. But again, it, it it didn't feel justified. It's kind of like in when they when they do the a live action remake of Moana, which they are doing. Mm. Um, if the first time she ever wanted to go out on the water was when she was already a teenager, yeah. as opposed to that being the driving force of her entire life. Wow. You know, it's 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 not as I think strong a character point, point. I think they made a point. You don't think they made a point. I, I do not. Um, um, and you also didn't like Scuttle. Oh, my! I, I'm sorry. I, I, I know I'm not allowed to say this. I just don't think I like Aquafina as a performer. Mm. I just don't think I like her. I just, and this is not her as a person. Just every movie I've seen her in, I've been like, I just don't care for her. I think that she's underutilized a lot. Like, I don't think she's that... in everything. No, I mean, underutilized in the way that they've directors and the, the performances that she's been in have basically pigeonholed her into a specific type of character. And I'm not sure that that's her potential. Um, Maybe. I didn't mind most of Scuttle. They made her a little dumber than the Scuttle, the Buddy, what's his name? Buddy Hackett. The Buddy Hackett Scuttle. Um, and they gave her a song that did not need to happen. Oh, my God. Because, of course, your favorite Lin-Manuel Miranda had to write music. So, of course, we need a rap in there. <laughs> Don't diss my Lin. <laughs> okay? He is a cinnamon roll, and you are just jealous yeah sure i am anyways um i yeah i didn't think that that song was necessary no. and I, I didn't really think the prince eric song was. i didn't i know i hated that like they added just like they did for the beauty and the beast one they added a, a song and prince eric starts singing i'm like we don't need a song from you sir right you you okay so this is the, like one of the things that drives me crazy just one just one <laughs> so you want to extend this movie out you want to have more musical numbers. All right. There's a Broadway musical version of this. <laughs> and in that Broadway musical version, not the best thing, but there's a song that her sisters sing. Right. So you mentioned, and I agree with this. I liked the looks of the mermaids. Mm -hmm. I liked that her sisters were multicultural, but they're, they're little more than cameos. Yeah, you not. don't really get to see them or know any of them, but there's this song in the musical that you could have transplanted into this where they talk about Ariel being in love, right? Which would have showcased them and you could have done something different. But uh, Eric's gonna sing a song now. Like, I don't need to hear from Eric, I know who Eric is. I don't is. need Eric walking out on the bluffs, yeah, into the ocean. Yeah, I don't need any, you know, it's, this is something else that's, that was weird, and I and I've noticed they do this in a lot of them. But some of the words in some of the classic songs were slightly changed. Like in Kiss the Girl, there is a slight rephrasing of one of the lines. And I do not understand why they did that. Do you know what it was? I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I remember singing it. I was singing along with the songs in the mm -hmm. theater, as I think most people were. Um and it gets to the point, and I'm going with the words, and the words are different. I'm like, and I thought, am I wrong? And then I re-listened. like, no, I was right. Like, I understand it. They, they did that in Aladdin, 
they did it there and you can understand some of the lines they changed because they were culturally inoffensive or and you know like they changed the line in the prince ali song he's got slaves he's got servant and flunkies yeah they changed that okay i get that that makes sense why they would alter that but in this one it's like why did you change the wording? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I didn't notice it because I don't hear lyrics. Mm. I'm like music blind, but you know. Um, okay, anything else that you didn't like? I'm sure, yeah, there's a there's other things, yeah. Um, <laughs> um we talked about this, the and a, a lot of people have been bitching about this, but the look of the sea creatures. Okay, so like let's Sebastian talk about that. specifically. Um, I actually thought I was going to dislike that a lot more than I did. Like just from seeing the commercials, um, the look of Flounder and the look of Sebastian just look creepy, mm. but they did not look as creepy in the movie to me. Flounder didn't look as bad. Okay. I thought Sebastian, it's not that he looked creepy. It's that because they decided to go so realistic with his design, you didn't get any of the emotion or the amount of emoting in the face. The expression. Yeah, that. Although I think that David Diggs did a great job of emoting with the vocals. Uh, the vo Yeah, the voice actor did a great job. I, I have no objections to him. I'm just saying I don't think the, the character design did him any favors. Mm. And it's one of those things where I'm not, again, I'm not sure why they chose to go that way, where they're like, we're going to make this uber realistic looking crab but he still talks and sings <laughs> like i remember way back um when they made the very first live action transformers film and they brought out the character models for the transformers and they were these hideous things and michael bay's like well this is more realistic because if they're if you're going to have a robot that's going to change into this this thing this is how it's going to have to work it wouldn't work the old way and you're like okay i don't like it but i understand it Right. So then you go see the movie, and this ultra realistic film uh -huh. has a huge, has a big scene where five gigantic robots are sneaking around outside the house, and the kids' parents are like, "I don't hear anything." Yeah. It's like, don't hand me this. We have to be realistic and give me these corny, you know, scenes in there. Like you can't have it both ways. Um, so if the crab is going to sing and dance, give him an expressive face. Well, I think that, I just don't think it bothered me as much as it bothered you. Um, I thought it was going to be like, like that for all the sea creatures, but it really wasn't like the under the sea. That um, was number, glorious. It was really beautiful. Uh, and the way that the fish and squids and whatnot interacted with each other was really beautiful. I've seen marine biologists on TikTok giving the movie 10 out of 10 because of the representation of the, the sea life. Yeah. The sea life. So um, we've got, we got sea life representation down people. Yes. That victory has been won. So, <laughs> so I like, so that didn't bother me as much. Flounder still like he didn't look great. But he did look like a fish. I think so. the reason I didn't mind Flounder as much is because he wasn't in it as much. He didn't no. have as vital a role as Sebastian does. No, he has a much smaller role. Um, 
I think I would have enjoyed seeing Sebastian try to escape a cooking pot. Yeah, they they cut. They it's interesting the out. things they cut out. They cut out that scene. Uh huh. They cut out a huge chunk of poor unfortunate souls. Yes. Where she's talking about body language, which is one of the some of the funniest, right? You know, most fun parts of that song. Maybe Melissa McCarthy couldn't make it too sexual. Maybe. But... So let's talk about that. Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. I'm kind of 50-50. Okay. Let's, like, let's, I, I, didn't, I feel like this is the tagline for this this podcast. I'm kind of 50-50. I didn't think it was. <laughs> well, okay. I've been talking a lot. What do you think about Melissa McCarthy as Ursula? I'll throw it back at you. Um, Buck passed. I think I didn't like the way that they had her moving around so much. Um, made me a little nauseated and seasick, mm. actually. Um and the lighting, which is which is always my biggest like beef with any underwater movie, is just please just make it a little bit brighter. I am old and my vision is bad. And again, that's another one of those weird things where they're going for realism. It's like yeah. you got mermaids swimming around. We can have more light underwater. It's yes. okay. Make some bioluminescent lanterns. Okay. Um, like the first one was underwater. You could see fine. But. I think as far as staying true to the makeup inspired by Divine, the look, the song, the voice, I think she did a pretty good job. I don't, I just don't think they utilized her as much as they could have. I, I, I kind of agree with that. Like mm -hmm. I, I, on the whole, I think it was okay. Yeah. Um, But it's another one of those things where I felt like she was just shortchanged. Short change and just kind of redoing what was already done. Right. And again, I can understand that because Ursula is one of the great Disney villains. Yeah, I think if you would have changed her too much, yeah. then you would have had some well, like back. Again, I, I, I refer back to the, the musical version where Poor Unfortunate Souls is less of a tango and more of this very dull yeah. plotting. So I think they tried to alter too much and it takes the life out of it. Right. So I think that's very well, true of... of... I, I do think that in this current climate, staying true to the inspiration of a drag queen was important. Yeah. You know, we don't want to erase the influence that divine had on that character and you know, the kind of influence that the character has had on the queer community. Um, so like, I don't, I, I think not altering it was the way to go. Yeah. Um, and I think that Melissa McCarthy can pretty much do anything she puts. I think to. I would have liked to have, <laughs> I, I kind of agree with all of that. I, I, I would have liked to have seen her be able to put a little bit more of her stamp on it. Right. Um, let her do things her way a little bit more, but I, I I do agree with your what you're saying about you know staying true to the the design and the impact of the original character. I will say that our youngest, who is a Gilmore Girl fan to the point of when she was oh I want to say she was six or seven, she dressed up as Rory for Halloween. Um, she turned to me and she said. Mom, that's Suki, and I don't like it. <laughs> like she was too evil for her. Uh, but yeah, um, what about at the end where they make her larger than life? What do you mean? Like when she becomes when she huge, grows? yeah. You know, it was fine. 
It was fine. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, I mean, there was no, it wasn't outrageously bad. It wasn't yeah. something mm-hmm. new and fantastic. Yeah. It was just. Um, I like that they, I like that they altered the ending, the climax there, where Ariel is more proactive. Right. In it, because in, in, the, in the original, Eric does mm-hmm. it. And she's like, because Ariel's like a little wormy thing. Yes. At the time. So I liked that they they altered that so Ariel's more has a more proactive stance stance in her own movie. I kind of would have liked it since thematically they're going off on this whole, you know, the two worlds need to work together and the two worlds if she and Eric had worked together to do it. Right. You know, her knowledge of the sea and his knowledge of sailing ships, they put it together and they can they can beat her together i think that thematically with what they were going for that would have made a little bit more sense or even having the mer people and the townspeople yeah working together to defeat her yeah instead of just ariel and eric yeah because it feels like they they set that that theme up but a it just lot kind of, eh, and it never really got, yeah. got a visual payoff okay but i i do appreciate that it was more ariel's victory than it was eric's that that made sense to me hmm. um, so let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about ariel and eric yes let's do that okay before we get into ariel and eric there is one other thing i kind of wanted to talk about that i i didn't like and I, okay and I, um i is it just me or like was the design everything this is the problem i have with a lot of these disney animated films they feel so much smaller and less impressive than their animated counterparts and what i'm talking about like a great example is triton's throne room oh well yeah that is like it's like four stumps yeah and I think part of that is the underwater world was so dark. Like they yeah. really didn't do a lot with the underwater world. And like, except for the sea life. And that is really like, I hate to say that the DC universe did something better. But Aquaman. But Aquaman yeah. or uh, Namor's world in Wakanda forever. Yeah. It's like, and I, like I said, I can understand it if it's a matter of set building and, or I can understand it if you're a studio that just doesn't have the money. Right. But it's CGI and you're fucking Disney. Yeah, you could have. Like, you have literally all the money. Now, (laughs) conversely, the upper world, where they're this Caribbean island, they've got this marketplace and this village, and it's very true to like Caribbean architecture. Sorry, architecture. The. The people populating the town are, you know, the appropriate color. And uh, the music is Calypso-y kind of Caribbean music. And um, actually, I don't know. Is that offensive? Is I don't Calypso think so. Calypso? I don't think so. Okay. And if it is, we're sorry. Yes. Um, and you have like the, okay, so... One of the things that I really did enjoy was the costumes mm-hmm. because they very much take from the cartoon. Like Eric's even got the boots with the red thing at the top. Um, the blue and the pink dresses for Ariel with the boots. 
but they put a Caribbean twist on it, like the head wrap instead mm -hmm. of the ribbon in her hair. You know, she's got red hair, but it's like a dreadlocks, almost like butterfly dreadlocks. I don't want to use the term dirty red, but it's it's red with brown. Right. You know? Although so it does it's, like have some blonde in it. Yeah, it's not like this fire the fiery red of the the original. Um I agree with you on that. I that was some that was a change. That's kind of like what I'm talking about. That's a change that made sense. Right. And did something visually and culturally different with the world. Right. Um because when and you don't really think about it, but yeah, the the original little mermaid the music had a very calypso kind of kind of feel to it right you know kiss the girl and under the sea yeah so why not play into that plus it makes perfect sense why ariel is a black person right you know and how she fits into that that world mm -hmm. it, it also you know why sebastian has this the jamaican accent yeah you know so it, it i thought that was a really smart change uh, yeah, I, and I think that it was really like eye catching and attractive. Yeah, it was. Um, and then you know, having diverse cast, I'm always for more diverse casting. Um, and re like, for real, you could probably count the the white people on one hand in this, and that's not a bad thing because this would have been what in the 1800s mm -hmm. in the Caribbean. If you were white, you were probably a colonist and probably shouldn't have been there. So, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk Eric. All right. Uh, I believe that they gave him some blue contacts for this. Because no one has eyes that blue. Except maybe... Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, other than that, he's he looks like Prince Eric. He was good. Yeah. Now, again, this is why I'm kind of very so-so on this film, because there are things that they altered or not, I don't even say altered, because I don't think it, they added or flushed out, that I thought made some of the characters much more likable. I like, I like this Eric. Yeah. And it's nothing against the, the original Eric, but there wasn't much to him. No, he was passed out. You know, he was, he was your typical handsome, <laughs> handsome prince. Yep. A nice guy with all... I like that they, and the changes they made, or the character elements that they included, were things that made him more compatible with Ariel. The idea that he was not, that he was an adopted right. prince, and he didn't belong in that world, and never felt like he belonged. Right. And so that's why he had this desire to be among the people, and to be on the sea, and to... You know, he didn't, because he, he didn't know them. That that connects him with Ariel. The fact that he collects things. Oh, yes, I loved that. I love his little collection room and that they share that. Mm -hmm. That That's a good change because it can it, it grows the character's relationships. You see more, what, I, that, what they did really well with this is make it seem as though they're falling in love and they have this connection and it's not just... Oh, look at this girl who can't talk. Oh, she's the perfect woman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and, you know, also when Vanessa, who was Ursula in disguise, show up, you know, they make it known that it's the siren song that's yeah. given to her. It's not, he's, he's not in love with Vanessa. It's not some 
quick change. It's he's under the spell of. The, I think they did that in the first one. I don't know. With the more robotic speech pro pattern that he had. I don't think it was that big of a change the, from the. I, I I would disagree with that, yeah. but I, I get what you're saying. Right. Um, but I I like the alterations they made to Eric. I thought it made him a better character, except for his song. We didn't we didn't fucking need your song, buddy. Uh, okay, and then the main event, Ariel Halle Bailey as Ariel. Um, I I was completely captivated <laughs> by her. She did a, and she was doing a great job. And then she sang Part of Your World. Right. And again, these are tiny little changes. Yeah. Tiny little um, alterations in the way she sang a certain word, the emphasis she put on certain syllables that def- that was the same as the Ariel we knew, but was definitely her take on the character. And I think it's a perfect example of staying true to the original but putting your own spin on it and from that moment on i was just i was sold she was fantastic that they practically let out a little gasp when she pulled herself up on the rock yeah (laughs) it was just like oh she did such a good job she did and she really captivates this she has a level of intelligence and curiosity mixed with this innocence that i think that she really put across that is kind of you know it's the the sweets but rebellious kid um and i think she really pulled it off yeah and, and what people kind of forget about Ariel is that that is not an easy role because for half the movie, she doesn't talk. True. And you have to do everything through... Expression. Yeah, yeah. expression, physicality, body mm-hmm. language. You have to see what she's thinking in her eyes. That was what made her kind of an interesting um, animated character is that it was, a, it was a real combination of here's the vocal performance and here's the physical performance. Right. You know, which the animators had to all be in charge of. So it's not an easy role to do. And I think she did a really remarkable job with it. Mm-hmm. You know, again, if there's anything I could, I have to badmouth about her performance, it's that the extra songs that weren't good and didn't need to be there. <laughs> I don't think the songs were that bad. I thought they were pretty bland and forgettable. Scuttlebutt and was pretty bad. Scuttlebutt was awful. Um, I think, oh, excuse me, that was a big yawn. (laughs) I think she did an excellent job. And I don't think, honestly, there wasn't another person who could have pulled it off. And I hate that she has gotten so much hate from people because she just, she did a job and she did it really well. What What I think, what I take from this is the same thing that I took from when all people were bitching because Edris Alba got cast as Heimdall in Thor, or when Daniel Craig got cast as James Bond in Casino Royale, and then the movie came out, and the movie is basically the entire thing, the actor going, that's fucking why. Yeah. You know? 
and that's why she was cast and it was good casting like any complaints i have about this movie are not in any way related to her no like i think she did like i'm hard pressed to find the casting of a character in a disney live action movie which has been as good as this yeah yeah emma watson is bell no the, the girl played mulan no you know the whole cast of aladdin no you know like none of the recasting of characters has in any of them is that i can think of has been this good right i think that really goes to show like going out of the box going completely different than what people expected is the way to go if it's the right person. Yeah, finding the right person for the role, not the right. person who looks like the role. Exactly. But the person the right person for the role. Although Eric did look like Eric. He did. <laughs> but he was really good. Yeah. So, that's so okay. I mean, yeah. Um so yeah, interesting. I will say um I did not expect to enjoy it myself as much as I did, but I also didn't expect to come out of the movie with you going I didn't hate that. Yeah, I did. I know that I went off a lot on it because there there are a lot of things with these Disney animated remakes that I have a lot of issue with. But when it comes right down to it, I did not hate it, <laughs> which is and I high think, praise for. A and remake. I think it did. I think <sighs> it did what a lot of these live action remakes have been unable to do for me, and that is transport me back to the first time i saw the original <laughs> and give me that same yeah. that same feeling of hearing under the sea uh -huh. or like i i told you when we came out like i forgot how much under the sea slaps yes and you I even forgot, said the word slaps i did i forgot how good of a song that was or mm -hmm. how good of a scene kiss the girl yeah is and this movie reconnected me with those emotions mm -hmm. you know that's what i want i don't go to these things hoping they suck you know when i went and saw the live action beauty and the beast that's what i wanted i wanted to be reconnected with that feeling of seeing beauty and the beast for the first time as a kid in the theater you know and all those beautiful colors and great songs and and it didn't do that right and none of them have really done that. This is the first one I can say I saw and went, wow, I I remember what it was like to see this as a kid. Yeah. You know? Mm. And I think that that's its greatest strength. Uh, I will say Ariel is my least favorite Disney princess. I think a lot, a lot of people have that opinion now. Um, it has, you know, she gave up her voice for a boy. You know, she, she rebellious without really having a reason to be, but I feel like this iteration, you, it wasn't just that you saw her. She wasn't, she didn't give up her voice because of the boy. She gave up her voice because she was curious and she wanted to explore and she wanted to like, you felt more like there was justification for her as a character than perhaps in the cartoon version. Mm. So I say, you know, she did a really good job with this. I think the writers did a really good job with this. So, yeah. All right. I think, I think it's a fit. Like, again, it's a 50, 50 thing. I think there's things in the animated one did better 
And I think there's things this one did better. It's not, I don't, I, I think I'll always have a softer spot for the animated one, but this one is not one that I think when I, when River starts watching it, when it comes on <laughs> Disney plus that I'm going to be like, Oh God, this, like I have to do with Aladdin or the live action beauty and the beast. Uh, all right. So what do we give it? Um, I give it a solid B minus. Okay. Um, and again, didn't hate it, didn't love it. Good things, bad things. It is it is a dead middle of the road for me. And the reason I give it that B is because it may be middle of the road, but I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Okay. So it deserves that extra praise. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say B as well. Um, like if it was on its own, I would say meh, not. Not that great of a movie, but I think as compared to the other live actions, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't hate the other live action movies, but they're not the best movies. Um, but I think what brings it up is Halle Berry, Bailey's performance. I almost said Halle Berry at that time. I've been having that hard. <laughs> it's been the struggle I have been having. So, but I think her performance like knocks it up. Yep. She did a great job. So, all right. Well, thank you. All right. So we are, with me. we are pretty much caught up uh yeah and now, now we're, gonna... we're back on to movies that we're watching as we go right now yeah so <laughs> so all right um so yes so thank you my love thank you for a wonderful family night watching this movie thank you for always joining me for these wonderful reviews thank you to our to our listeners all of you all of two of you but hey you know i'll take it um and yeah so just thank you and we will be back with more so thank you very much and as always drive safe and we'll see you at the movies Thank you.